Welcome back to another episode, brilliant bumper playoff episode of Balling in the Six. There were two huge games going on on Monday night and now the dust has settled. We're finally going to crack into, of course, the big one first, the one that impacted the whole of the NBA was Toronto Raptors routing the Magic. And of course, there was a small matter of Damian Lillard 3 to put the Blazers through to their first conference semi-final in three years. To that, we have our Blazers correspondent, but first, let's get right into Toronto. So, after Game 4 pretty much ended any chance that Orlando Magic had, especially with the games heading back to Toronto twice over the remaining few games. Game 4 was expected to be perhaps a response from the Magic, but instead the Raptors came out to play. They took a 31-7 lead, and really I've never seen anything like it. This was Nick Nurse's playoff basketball in action. You think of the days of Dwayne Casey, a bit of a stagnant offence, and, you know, the night after his Detroit side got swept 4-0 by the Bucks, the Raptors come out and really stamp their authority ahead of the next series. Now, after Game 1, the Raptors were the laughing stock of the league, of course, losing at home to the Magic on a buzzer beater with your star all-star point guard scoring zero points. However, every single one of the starters and some of the bench have really, really stepped up. Lowry, of course, continued his brilliant form. He scored 14 points, which may not sound great, but he went 6 from 10, 4 rebounds, 9 assists, a couple of steals. Can't complain about that. Danny Green continued his brilliant defensive work, and of course, Gasol continued to shut down Vucevic. We talked about Game 3, Gasol getting in foul trouble, not being able to cover Vucevic, and Vucevic going back to his all-star mode. But instead, Nikola once again held to 3 for 10 shooting, just 6 points in his 17 minutes of action. Meanwhile, we got Siakam with another 24. And if again, I keep saying this, but if you tell me that last year that Pascal Siakam is going to be your second most reliable scorer in a playoff basketball, you know, you're laughing at that point. But he manages to, he managed to pull it off. And of course, Kawhi, after very patchy game three came back roaring for game four and then continued his brilliant form into the decider shot eight for 11 from the field notched up 26 seven points including five from five from behind the arc seven rebounds couple of assists and a steal and again you're not complaining when you all star plays like that because that's play of Kawhi and he's going to be absolutely crucial in the next round meanwhile off the bench you've got playoff power and even the likes of Leo Routins and the other commentators are referring to him as playoff power because he does show up. And if you think about a series a couple of years ago against the Bucks, he was the man who bailed us out in those last two games. We were 2-2, he was looking shaky, but Norman Powell was there. And he's delivered again. Whenever we need a bit of energy off the bench, a bit, a bit of athleticism, a bit of something different. And because he can do everything, he can drive really well. Okay, he doesn't have a mid-ranger, but he can shoot from behind the arc, he's a shooting threat. He's a decent playmaker. He's a very good defensive player. He'll always, you know, get up in any any player's face, really. That's what he needs to deliver. Ibaka did his job as usual. You don't need to 
focus on Ibaka now. He's doing a wonderful job off the bench. He adapts to any situation. And again, like Powell, he's, he's a threat from anywhere. And he delivers on both ends of the field. The only real complaint you'd have is that of Fred Van Vliet. Now, Van Vliet, the 5'11 point guard, has been struggling to defend Terence Ross all series. And it not only continued here, but his offensive struggles continued as well. He only scored 7, shot 3 from 8 from the field, and overall in the playoff series, he hasn't been delivering off the bench, neither as a scorer nor a playmaker. However, this game, you have to admit he changed it. He was a highest assister with 10, but admittedly a lot of that just came from phenomenal shooting from the likes of Leonard Siakam. You know, it didn't come from amazing CP3 style playmaking, if you think about that. However, and it's quite odd when you round off a series like that. The Raptors have never actually won a series 4-1, which is strange. It's always been 4-2, 4-3. You know, we've always let, had done it the hard way. But this time, we're through. We've got some rest. Playing Philly next. Philly, of course, beat Brooklyn Nets by 4-1. But they aren't looking too hot. In the first game, you saw how the Brooklyn affected them. And it was only really the resurgence of Ben Simmons, who has a... Damian Lillard style vengeance now against Brooklyn we can foresee that really changed it and of course the likes of Embiid, Butler, Tobias Harris delivering it'll be an extremely difficult series going forward we're not going to preview it in full now because it's still a while and one of the reasons it will be a while is because the Raptors as we said finally managed to close the game off early and that could be crucial not only for the Eastern Conference semi-finals but maybe the conference finals as well if we manage to meet the Bucks there and I think if we do get through we'll, we'll be meeting Milwaukee as opposed to Boston Celtics despite their recent surge in form so that's all to say really on the series the series as a whole I think the first game you heard how players weren't affected by the first game Lowry was disappointed but he said it's fine, we'll come out, we'll bounce back second game. Even the likes of Kawhi was very, very calm. That was very reassuring, and it showed that, yep, they just had a bit of an off night defensively, let the magic drop 114 on them, and it just wasn't coming off. But the talent was always there, and the form was always there. And the Raptors, as we know, always lose game one, just like the Maple Leafs always lose game seven. And as such, that's all we can really do. Let's hear some re- Reaction now from the Raptors players. Once again, what does it feel like to close this one out in five? Well, I mean, it feels great just to close out a game. Um, you know, hopefully we got some time to rest. I'm not sure when we're going to play again, but uh, we did a great job again. Uh, I said this before, once we play defense, we're a hard team to beat. And again, we uh, kept them under 100 points. They got 96 tonight. Your head coach Nick Nurse stressed yesterday that he wants this team to carve out its own history. What does it mean to you to be such a huge part of that? Uh, say that again, I'm sorry. You said that you guys are carving out your own history, and after this series, I mean, you were such a monster part of that. What does that mean personally to you? I mean, that's the goal. You know, uh, we're trying to get to the finals, and, you know, we feel like we got a group that can do it. So we just want to go out every game, leave it all on the floor. So, you know, whatever happens, we won't look back and say we could have gave a better effort. Philadelphia currently up by over 30 points in their game against the Brooklyn Nets. If it is Philadelphia, what do you expect in the second round? 
I'm not sure yet. I'm going to just enjoy this win tonight. And, um, you know, once we get to the drawing boards for Philly, uh, man, that's when we'll start. But... Thank you, Kawhi. Congratulations. As you can see, Kawhi isn't actually thinking about the next round. He's just focusing. He's on his robot-like tactics. He's recovered from the flu. And guess what? Kawhi Leonard is back. So there's only one way to end this section. And as you'll see, you might find this a bit familiar. Here to talk about what could be one of the best, most wondrous, wholesome moments of the NBA season, not only this year, but probably the decade. It's our Blazers correspondent, Samuel Jeffries. Samuel, welcome once again to Balling in the Six. Thank you. Hi. So I can't ask anything, but you are but a microcosm of the wider Trail Blazers fan base. Describe your feeling when you saw that go in. No, in fact, describe your feeling when Dame decided not to drive to the rim with 10 seconds to go and instead hang around half court. I mean, I was like, it's a tie game. And on tie game, Dame never drives. Always pulls up. But when he was standing at half court with five seconds to go, I had shivers down my spine honestly i was trembling in, in anticipation and fear did you know also it excitement. because as soon as you shot it i mean it's dim when he pulls up from there you know it's a make what's quite I mean, good as well is he started the series with a deep three if you remember in the first in the opening yeah. game against thunder he started with almost the exact same shot and yes we no, were I mean, watching that together you were we were actually courtside for that game yeah. Uh, thanks to our media passes, which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, and then we unfortunately we didn't get access to this game, uh, but it was it was still a phenomenal moment to watch live wherever you were. So next round and before the series, of course, I don't think even the most optimistic Blazers fan was thinking you'd make it in five games against the OKC. I don't think any fan in their right mind were thinking they'd win it even in seven games. And yet, you've done it, and you're through. I mean, it's ridiculous. We lost the season series 4-0 to the Thunder with Yusuf Nurkic. And I think almost every pundit out there was writing us off. Who's it down to? Terry Stott, Lillard, the whole team? I mean, Cancer? the whole team put in outstanding performances, really. CJ was great, in, especially in the first three games, first four games, sorry dropping almost 30 in all of them. And all our role players put in solid performances. Mo Harkless and Aminu deserve honourable mentions. Mo averaging, I think, two blocks uh, per game in the series and also nailing four huge free throws in the in the comeback late in the fourth and, of course, game five. But what it really comes down to was Damian Lillard did not want to lose another playoff series. He said with that first shot, he made a statement of intent. He said, no, this ain't going to be like last year. This ain't going to be like the year before. We're not getting swept. We're not losing. And he sent a message not only to the Thunder that he was there to play, 
also to his own team and telling them that, all right, you guys don't ball, I'm be mad. And he really took over the whole series. And, I mean, it's ridiculous the way he's been playing. He's, I think, averaging, what's it, 33 a game? And he shot, especially his shooting from deep, I mean, from over 30 feet, he was 8 of 12. That's phenomenal stat, of course. Really, really good. And the rest of the NBA, I think it was like something like six for 38 or 39 so far in the playoffs from over 30 feet. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is literally game time, as LeBron tweeted out yesterday. Um, So next up, it looks like, at least, they're leading 3-2. It looks like you're going to play the Nuggets. Yeah. So the Nuggets, of course, are more of a rounded team with a lot of scorers rather than just, of course, PG and Westbrook. So what kind of challenge does this present, and does it suit itself more to the Blazers' style of play? In some senses, it does suit us a lot more. I mean, there's no star wing player on the Nuggets, and Paul George is really something that, especially in the regular season, less so in the playoffs during the first few games because of the shoulder, etc. But it's something we struggle to deal with as a side because... Although Mohawkus and Aminu did have very good series, they're not quite at the level of even a good role player. They're very, they're probably below par of most starting uh, wing pairings in the league. But in saying that, they also do have a great talent at centre, of course, Nikola Jokic. Yes, and I did want to bring that up actually. So Cantor managed to pretty much outdo Adams, which was a surprise. But Kanta, um, sorry, Jokic presents a very different sort of challenge. I'm not yeah. sure how it went down in the regular season. Of course, he'd be facing Nurkic. But what's the matchup looking like there? Because that's where I think Denver, if they do go through, are going to really benefit this series. And although Nurkic isn't the focal point, uh, the boss you know, could, could change up his game plan deal with the Blazers' defensive weakness in the paint and beyond, yeah. of course. Well, in terms of the Blazers for us, it's not going to be a battle offensively for Cantor in the series against the Nuggets. I mean, Jokic, the thing he's not renowned for is his defense, of course. But when the Nuggets have the ball, that's where the challenge is going to present itself to us because not only will we have no paint defense because, I mean... Jokic really draws the whole team out, but Cantor is a poor defender. Although he matched up to Stephen Adams' challenge in the paint and his heavy uh, bodying of him, he matched that physically, but the matchup with Jokic isn't all about physicality. It's about quickness of feet, uh, intelligence, basketball IQ, etc. And that's going to be a real challenge for Cantor to deal with and something he'll need help from the whole team to actually deal with. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw doubles down in the post and uh, strategies like that to deal with it. But so I'm not sure if you I'm not sure if you remembered your prediction for the Blazers OKC series. Yeah, Blazers in seven. You said Blazers in seven. So yeah, uh, we've already had kind of Mystic Viral giving his opinions on this show. Can we take a Mystic Sam prediction for Den for 
okay, let's take it first for Denver against Blazers and then Spurs against Blazers if Pop manages to pull off two great games. So if we're playing Denver, I have to say Blazers in six or seven. I'd probably lean towards six, actually, yeah. Do any of these predictions include Blazers losing? Um, they do, but only against higher caliber sides. Okay. Not. Denver v. Oh, sorry. Spurs v. Like, Blazers. Blazers in how like many games? Uh, and for the Spurs, I'd say Blazers in five. That's probably a more yeah. fair prediction. Uh, so lastly, we're just going to move on. Of course, this is the Raptors genre podcast. You uh, now, we, both the Raptors and the Blazers moved one step closer to the finals. A lot of people, more casually, more tongue-in-cheek, were saying, you know, that would be a very good final series after a couple of really good regular season matchups. If you were to face off in the finals against Nick Nurse's side, how do you see it going down? Now, keep this short, because we can go into it when both teams make the conference finals, of course. But how do you see it going down? Very tough series. Physical physicality will be key, and Gasol against Cantor, Lillard Gasol against Lowry, Green against CJ, Kawhi against yeah. Mo Harkless. Stopping Kawhi will be the big challenge for the Blazers. Well, they stop PG. Stop. So we did stop PG to an extent. I mean, he still dropped. I think thirty-six was it last night, but. Uh, to be fair, it was very efficient last night, yeah. Yeah, but defense isn't our our strong our strongest asset. So although we we that means we need to put the extra effort on defense, it also means that we have to play up to our real potential on offense. And we so what you're saying what you're saying is Raptors and six. Thanks very much for no, appearing to today. To win, I think we need a couple of big game performances. Well, well, on the on the form he's going, I uh, I can't see that happening, and and I think the whole league, not only the Raptors fan base, are extremely impressed with what the Blazers have managed to do, and um, slowly are becoming everyone's second team, which is always nice to hear as a remote fan such as yourself. Um, yeah. Well, you go and work on getting media passes for the conference semi-finals, and uh, we'll see you next time live courtside for the game, either in Denver or in San Antonio. All right, will do. I'll have one for you, yeah? Oh, yeah. That's all we have time for today. Two huge games, but don't worry. We're going to cover the rest of round one. There's not that much left now, and it has been quite brilliant throughout both conferences. So as you know, follow us on all podcast platforms subscribe give us five stars and follow us on twitter at balling in the six and ask your questions we'll engage with all the fans you're our day ones that's all for now